I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 2. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Yuck! You got that, right? The guy was sleeping with his stepmother. Even the pagans in Corinth wouldn't put up with something like that. And the pagans in Corinth were no prudes. Ancient Corinth was where the temple to Aphrodite was located. So people would come from all over the world to worship with one of the temple prostitutes on staff there. Corinth was a port city. So lots of people passed through. Lots of sailors passed through. So the Corinthians had no trouble with sex, but they drew a line at that. That was just yucky. But the Christians in Corinth, they tolerated it. Now, we don't know exactly what it means that they tolerated it. Did that mean that they just ignored it? Nobody talked about what brother so-and-so did in his spare times. Did it mean that they celebrated it? That they used it as a sign for what? Open hearts, open minds, open doors that they had as a congregation. Either way, we see throughout the rest of this letter of 1 Corinthians that this was a group that was so sure they were better, so sure they were wiser than everybody else, yet they went along with something like that. And the Apostle Paul, he just wasn't happy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 3, For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as if present, I've already pronounced judgment. I'm the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven, leavens the whole lump, cleanse out the old leaven? That you may be a new lump. As you really are unleavened for Christ. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival. Not with the old leaven. The leaven of malice and evil. But with the unleavened bread. Of sincerity and truth. The Apostle Paul was inspired to write this from the city of Ephesus. During his third missionary journey. But he told the Corinthians, look, I don't even need to come to Corinth to address this. What they were involved in was so extreme, he felt no need to hear both sides of the story. It didn't matter if this man was really in love with his stepmother. It didn't matter if, well, the culture's against it now, but maybe it'll progress to be that way someday. Paul could hear what was going on and say with clarity, this is wrong. It's sinful. It goes against God's design and his teaching and because of that it would cause ruin. It would cause ruin for that man that was involved with it. It would cause ruin for that whole congregation because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
And what Paul's referencing there might be less familiar to us, but for any of the Jewish followers of Jesus there in Corinth, they know exactly what he was talking about. Because as part of their great Passover feast, the Jews would for a week eat unleavened bread. You see, normally, kind of like any of you that got into baking with starters during the pandemic, with the, with the bread that the Jewish people normally make, they'd always have a little bit of dough left over each week, and that would become the beginning part for what they would bake the next week, unless it was the Passover, unless it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then they would need to start with a whole new unleavened lump. They'd leave behind what they normally use to use something new, especially for the feast. And Paul's saying, that's what you've got to be as Christians. You can't be bringing forward the malice. You can't be bringing forward the evil. Because we're not even just celebrating a lamb being sacrificed. We're celebrating Jesus the Christ, the Son of God being the sacrifice. And if the blood of a lamb brought rescue and deliverance for our people in the past, how much more should we be rescued and delivered and free to be a completely different type of people, to have a completely different sort of celebration when our sacrifice is God's Son. We have even more reason to be cleansed now than the Jewish people had ever had before. And that wasn't just true when Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. That still hasn't changed. Now, you might not believe that to listen to the wider Christian world. Because there are some people in our day and time who profess to be Christian, but will say, but, you know, the Bible says that, but times have changed. We live under a different culture now. And to try to demonstrate that, they'll take familiar passages, like God consistently teaching his people, love your neighbor as yourself. And we'll twist that to say, well, and the only way we can really do that is if we redefine sexual morality. If we redefine sexual identity. Yes, the Bible says that, but if we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, we can't accept this definition that God has consistently taught his people for 3,400 years across multiple times and cultures in which it was never common and it was never popular, but now in our generation we understand God was going to change it. All these generations past, it was always different, it was supposed to be, but now in our generation we realize that we weren't supposed to be different anymore. It's okay to just be like everybody else. The Apostle Paul said, absolutely not. And he had the authority to do that. You see, the risen Jesus chose Paul to be his apostle. He appeared to him. The authority that Paul had wasn't just from his learning or scholarship. His authority came from Jesus. And that was evidenced by the way that these Corinthians would have seen the Spirit of Christ working in him. The signs and wonders that he was able to do by his hands confirming that what he was saying and doing came from God. So that means whatever he taught was God-breathed, that it was the Holy Spirit carrying him along. Now even then, even after the Corinthians saw all of this, some still questioned Paul's authority. We see that all throughout this letter. So today's not going to be any different, but neither would Paul's response. When people want to question today and say, well, maybe you can still be a Christian, but we'll just redefine some things. We'll just leave some passages out. 
Paul would say, look, y'all, I may not be there, but the instruction still stands. What I taught still applies. And if we're going to be Jesus people, we can't tolerate sin. Now, for some people, that will really hurt. Some people will hear that as personal rejection. They'll hear that as hate. And we must do all that we can to make clear. And even before that, before we make it clear, we need to do all that we can to make it true that that's not the case. Because sometimes when we get in these discussions, I'm going to be honest because I see y'all on Facebook. The way we talk about it is insulting. The way we talk about it does mock and does demean and is hateful. So we need to watch that. That's not okay. So we need to make sure we're not being hateful. We're not being rude. But we need to make sure we are making clear that we really and truly believe God's way is better even though it takes sacrifice, even though it might mean denying ourselves, God's way is the only way not to experience ruin. And we don't want anyone to experience the ruin that comes from being apart for God. And that might hurt now. There might be some painful things that we have to wrestle with, but we want to be people who speak the truth in love. We want that person to experience the help from God that will benefit them now, but then especially when that pain will be worth it in the life to come. Otherwise, to accept anything different is to just let people destroy themselves. It's to spread death instead of life. Though, we need to be clear who we're talking about. Because listen to what Paul says, continuing with verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now, I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality, or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you're to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Now that's an important clarification, huh? Because sometimes we take Paul's teaching about not tolerating sin here and we use it to try to go police the world. We're going to organize boycotts against every grocery store item whose producing company gives money to an immoral cause or uses immorality to advertise. But we're going to run out of food we can buy pretty quick if that is our application of this passage. Because the world is full of sexual sin. It's full of greed and cheating and idol worship. So Paul says that his focus is on Christians. 
who are guilty. Because if we say that Jesus is king, but we keep willfully going against what he says, we have a serious problem. A problem so serious that it warrants separation. Again, not for the sake of inflicting pain for pain's own sake, but in hopes that that pain, that the consequences of sin will lead to repentance. Because we do people no favors when we prevent consequences. In fact, when we don't allow people to experience the consequences of their bad choices, we just make it easier for them to keep on sinning. We might even be guilty of setting an example that encourages others to sin. Because they see, well, that's the way we handle things. Or they get the message, well, that must not be a very big deal. So like Paul, let's be really clear. Are you a Christian? Have you given your loyalty to King Jesus? Have you been united with Christ in baptism? Are you a member of his body? The church. This church. The Greek word that we translate for church is ekklesia. And it means the called. The called out from the world with all its darkness. It also means the called together. We are here together because we want to follow Jesus. We are here together because we want to become more like him. So we can't be sexually immoral. That means we can't be having sex with someone we're not married to. We can't be engaging in same-sex relationships. We can't be using pornography. It's wrong. It will bring ruin. And if it's a way that any one of us just insists on going, then we need to recognize that means we are going different directions. Not because the person doing so is unloved. Not because we want that person to be unhappy or unfulfilled. We're going different directions because we do love them. Because we love them so much. And we believe what God says. We believe that there is more meaning and joy and purpose to life than we could even imagine right now. And that we find it by completely submitting to Jesus. I want that for you. But if you don't want that, we have to go separate ways because I choose Jesus.
Now that doesn't mean I'm perfect. God knows I'm not. I'm not saying that I never sin. I'm just saying that I don't want to. I want to learn from Jesus the right way to live. I want the Spirit to help me change my life. But if you indulge in sexual sin, or if you indulge your greed, doing whatever you can to just get more, 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 or if you're devoted to anything more than you are devoted to God, or if you're somebody that's abusive, you are a holy terror to your family whenever you get home, to your coworkers where people hate seeing you coming, or if you're getting drunk all the time, you can't make it through the day without numbing your senses and distracting yourself from who God created you to be, or if you're somebody who's all the time cheating people, We are going different ways. And I can't go where you're going. Because where you're going is not Jesus. But I do want you to go with me. I want you to miss our relationship. I want you to miss the joy, the meaning that comes from being with Jesus and change directions. But following Jesus does mean that we have to do things different. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 through 11, Paul says, When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we're to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there's no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our This is how completely following Jesus should change our lives. If when we walk out of here today, one of you were to back into my car, because you are following Jesus, you should want to make that right. And because I am following Jesus, I should want to work with you however it takes to make that possible. To be gracious, to be flexible, to be merciful. But if you don't, I should not sue you. Not because I can't. Not because I wouldn't be justified. Not because it's even legal. 
The courts exist for that reason. God gives them those authorities so that when we wrong each other, we have got a way to seek justice. But for us as Christians, fellow Christians, Jesus should be more important. And if we can't figure it out for whatever reason, there should be somebody in this church that we both trust and respect enough that we'll let them help us work it out. But if that's just absolutely not the case, it would be better for me to suffer wrong than to make Jesus look bad. Because if two followers of Jesus have to stand before somebody who's not a follower of Jesus to force each other to do what's right, Jesus looks bad. That's how serious this stuff is. This is how completely our identities need to change. And we all need to change because we all sin. We all struggle. And that's why Jesus came, because we can't inherit God's kingdom. We can't enjoy the goodness of his reign if we continue in sin. See, even if I believe that Jesus is God's son, if I indulge in sexual sin, if I worship idols, if I commit adultery, if I act out sexually, if I steal, if I'm greedy, if I get drunk, if I abuse and cheat others, I'm not following him. He isn't reigning in me in that moment. So I won't be rescued from the world's ruin and destruction that that sin causes. But some in Corinth had changed. Some of the people there in Corinth had been as nasty as anybody in the world. But they had been washed. The blood of Jesus Christ cleansed their sins when they put their faith in him through baptism. They had been sanctified. They've been set apart by God's Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Him working to help them become more holy. They were justified. When God looked at them, he didn't see the sum of all that they had done wrong. He saw Jesus. And that can be true for us too. That is true for us too. Because there are lives in here that have been completely changed by Jesus that have been completely changed by trusting and following him. And we still mess up. We still struggle, but we let him show us that. We ask for his forgiveness when we stumble. We ask each other for forgiveness when we stumble. We seek his help and each other's help to do better. That's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit make possible for us. If I had more time, I'd read the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But let's just jump down to the last verse where we see there Paul asking the question, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Hear what the apostle of Jesus Christ was inspired to say. What we do matters. 
So we, as Jesus's people, cannot tolerate sin. We certainly shouldn't celebrate it, nor can we ignore it. For the sake of the one who sinned, for the sake of the church as Christ's body, for the sake of a dark world that needs a bright light to give it a hope for change. And that doesn't mean that your charge is now to go out and arrogantly denounce sin to a world that doesn't even believe it's wrong. No, for them, our job is to lead them to Jesus because that's the only way they're ever going to think what's going on isn't okay. That's the only way they're going to have the grace and the mercy and the strength and the help that they need to change. But what it does mean is that among us, we mourn our sin. It means that we mourn our sin and we want God's help. It means that we together mourn that we have brothers and sisters sitting here struggling with some of these things, but they don't feel comfortable asking for help. They don't feel like this is a safe place for them to admit that they need that help and encouragement. We should mourn that. We should mourn that brothers and sisters are convinced they need to keep their sin themselves so long that it hardens them, that they get to a point where it doesn't really even bother them anymore that they're doing it, where they're just comfortable with it and okay with it. We need to mourn these things, and then we need to do something about it. We need to take sin so seriously. We need to take our identity in Christ so seriously that it changes how we operate on a day-to-day basis. We need to let our identity as members of Jesus' body, as temples of his Holy Spirit, outrank everything else in our lives. We need to believe that God's way really is better. We need to believe, and I hope you all are listening now, because I'm not sure that we always believe this. We need to believe that there is not a single person who can't be washed, be sanctified, be justified by the blood of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. People can change. We need to love other people enough to really want that for them. And today, if that's you, let's do something about it.